Hello, and welcome to Today in STEM, as we discuss what's new in the realms of science, technology, engineering, and mathematics, as all combined to make your world a better place. I'm your host, Wes Sumner. This new program gives you an inside look at all things STEM, hearing from experts and relating their knowledge to our everyday lives. We're pleased to have back with us for part two of our discussion, Dr. Nazri Nesnes, a professor at the Florida Institute of Technology. Dr. Nesnes does extensive research in the human brain, and he's telling us all about secrets of the human brain as we're continuing our talk today. Thank you for being here, sir. Thank you very much. As you think about um, your work and brain mapping and, and light in the brain that we want to talk more about here, what would you say is some of the most surprising things that you've discovered thus far? All right, so here's one, one, one nice story that I like to often share. Uh, I was actually studying, and this is a number of years ago, I was studying the, the uh, division process, the, the, the retina, and, and what happens in the retina of the eye. Obviously, we all know the, the eyeball has a retina, and the back light goes in there focused by a lens, and then the light hits a, a retina made of photoreceptors. And, and as most people are familiar, they are the cones that allow you to see the colors and the rods that allow you to see in the dark and dim vision. And there are a lot more of these rods than cones, so people study the rods quite often. But what happens that allows us to interpret this as an image? And so there's actually a very small molecule in this large protein called rhodopsin, which is based on a vitamin A, which is why they tell you, you know, eat your carrots and so on, because it, it, it transforms this long molecule called beta-carotene into basically a molecule that's half its size called vitamin A. And vitamin A... Uh, actually absorbs light when it's attached to that protein. And it actually undergoes a, a particular ch change in shape. And it's that physical change that triggers a series of events, much like a domino effect, that essentially sends a signal through the optic nerve into the brain. So now we have a system by which a small molecule absorbs light and transfers that into a motion that triggers a system. So, uh, so I, I happened to be working with, uh, collaborating actually at the time with neuroscientists and, and then they were at Sloan Kettering at the time and they, they obviously taken different jobs now and uh, they, they were neuroscientists studying uh, a lot of important pathways and we had just discussions about what we can do and, and, um, and they were inspired by this story of how this happens and they wanted to learn from it and maybe incorporate that in the neurons so they, they have the ability to genetically engineer the, um, the neurons and, and different populations of neurons to harbor the same receptor that is in the essentially in the retina. So you put it on a neuron and now suddenly your neuron has a, an ability to, to make that motion that I talked about and cause the, uh, the channel to open and allow for electrical current to pass through. So this was the birth of an important field which, uh, which, which was called optogenetics, and it was started in, in, in 2003 and that thereabouts, and, and uh, my collaborators were amongst the first to do that. Now, there were other scientists at the same time. This sort of this, the birth of optogenetics came from a few other scientists as well, mm -hmm. and uh, it's sort of somewhat simultaneous, I would say, but, but, uh, but the folks I was working with did that a few years, a couple of years earlier. But there was another group at Stanford that actually... This, they used the, the inspiration from the, the green algae and that also has a, a, a what's called a channel rhodopsin that, that essentially detects the light and 
allows it to, tr- to channel itself and travel. In fact, it has a fl- flagellum that moves around and allows the algae to to swim or to, to travel towards the light because they, that's where they get their energy. So they used that mechanism and incorporated that in a neuron. So essentially, the bottom line of all this, you have a system by which you can turn on a nerve cell using light. So why is that so important? Because you can control the brain pathways using light. And the reason that's exciting is even though people in the past have been able to control brains with electrical stimulation, the light, uh, the, the, the power of light comes from the ability for humans and for, for scientists to focus that light in the form of a laser at the precise site of a single synaptic connection. So now you imagine yourself if you're, you know, you're working and obviously in front of you, there are a lot of switches. And if you're, if you're using your entire palm to push them, then you're pushing a bunch of them all at once. But if you use a, a finger that's, that's a, a fine finger that you push one button at a time, that allows you precise control and you can figure out which button controls which pathway. So that's kind of the, the precision that we need to be able to understand the, 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 the brain map. You know, again, when you're looking at mapping something, you want a single intersection. You don't want a camera that takes two intersections at once because you're not going to be able to, to draw out a map out of this. And again, when you're looking at the map of a country, you want to not only look at the, uh, the, the big intersection, you want to look at the little intersections. And that's, that's the, the, that, that field that, that was um, developed by, again, again, a great number of scientists, and I was happy to participate in some of that work, it enabled uh, the uh, revolutionized the, the world of neuroscience, actually. And at the heart of this is a small molecule. And so my role in this, of course, uh, neuroscientists have contacted me since, and we've been collaborating with a number of neuroscientists since that time, to design molecules that would respond to light. And these molecules are different from the initial ones we were using based on vitamin A. There are, I mean, one of the, one of the examples that we worked on here at, at Florida Tech was the molecule known as glutamate. And glutamate, and there are two molecules that are very critical in the neurotransmission pathways, it's glutamate and GABA. And one is known to turn on a pathway, and the other one is, ter- is known to inhibit pathways. So glutamate is what's known as an excitatory uh, neurotransmitter. And so we were, we were designing systems that would essentially inactivate the, the, this very potent molecule, and then we give it to the neuroscientists, and then using light, they can shine the light precisely at the p- position they want, and they can activate the neurons in precise sites. And glutamate is actually extremely important in, in its role in memory. So they were looking at uh, understanding how humans develop memory. And this is a pretty difficult task because memory, obviously, is, is, um, is not a static thing, as you know. You know, we, we learn things every day and we develop, we build memories every day. And sometimes at the end of the day, we have to erase them because some, you know, some memories are not as important, you know. So I mean, think, think about, you know, Every day you park your car somewhere, unless you have an assigned spot, maybe. But you don't have an assigned spot. You park your car somewhere, and you, you, you almost never have to think about where your car is. Now, some people struggle with this, and that's, that's not very good. But, but for the most part, you have that in your memory for that day. But if I ask you a week later, do you remember where you parked your car on that day? That piece of information is so useless that the brain adapts mm. and, and erases that. And, and so these new neuronal connections that developed retract back to make room for other more important memories to be written. So this is a pretty complicated process, and it's not exactly as static as, say, the, the, the road, the, the, the intersections on a road. Now, they, those change, but not as often. So this, this, these are the challenges that neuroscientists face. 
And it sounds like tremendous implications for the future of, of neuroscience. And, and specifically, what's your perspective on this type of research and, and how it might be able to one day perhaps better treat or cure conditions like Alzheimer's, epilepsy, depression? So, okay, so these are uh, obviously diseases that have given the medical field a lot of struggle. And, 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 and part of the reason is because the brain is so complex and we're still learning about these neurons. And with the respect to Alzheimer's, it's a bit of a different uh, kind of scenario because Alzheimer's has been uh, studied for a while and it's appearing more and more. It's not related so much to the way the neurons in, in, uh, in communicate or communicate with one another as much as it is essentially in neuronal damage and, and atrophy of the neurons. In, in other words, the neurons are simply dying because of a formation of this really this really nasty protein that, that is um, called a beta amyloid. So there's been more and more evidence pointing towards the fact that, or towards the possibility that the beta amyloid is a kind of a sticky protein that shouldn't be there in the first mm-hmm. place. Fascinating. Well, it's so interesting to hear about the the complexity of the brain and how much uh, work has been done in recent years, how much work you have done to help better understand the brain, uh, to help better understand through mapping how the brain operates and the implications of some of that work for everyday lives and and our our human condition. Uh, So I want to thank our very special guest, Dr. Nasri Nesnes, professor here at Florida Institute of Technology. Nasri, thank you so much for your time today. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. That's going to conclude this edition of Today in STEM. Until next time, I'm Wes Sumner. Have a great day. Today in STEM is brought to you by the Florida Institute of Technology and WFIT. More information available at WFIT.org.